This podcast is brought to you by smallbusinesstogrow.com, the website by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Why reinvent the wheel? Start growing your business with best practices from industry-leading small business owners, executives, and entrepreneurs. Take their wheel, put it to work in your business, and start growing today. Smallbusinesstogrow.com to learn more. All right, so we've got Andrew Page, who is the founder of the Axle Workout. Andrew, thanks for joining us. We appreciate you giving up part of your busy day. So one of the things I'm curious about, and let's share this with the audience, you you started out in what, fitness, personal training, some combination thereof? Yeah, my, my fitness upbringing was I, I'll give you the playbook. I start, My mom started me lifting weights when I was about, I think it was like 10 years old or something like that. And um, that, the, my parents were physicians. Um, that led into my interest in doing strength training as a young adult, which I did all throughout high school and college. And, and really, I've never stopped that. You know, I probably have maybe missed two weeks of training since that age when I had mono. Uh, and that was about it. Um, I really have fallen in love with that. And that's been like a big staple of my life. It's something that I so always how old, do. How old are you now? 37. So I've been, you, got, you know, we'll 27 tw- years. Yeah, 27 years under the bar, under the proverbial yeah. barbell, right? Okay. Yep. And, and yep. your parents were physicians or are physicians. Yep. And it was mom that introduced you to weight training. Correct. Correct. So, and I don't remember why she had a personal trainer that she worked with. And I think she got really into it and understood the the value of doing strength training. And then I, that translated over to me. I took an interest in it. And like, uh, you know, uh, in addition to playing sports in high school. But so when I got to college, I did a work study program at University of Virginia um, where they trained you to be a trainer and a sports performance coach. We did VO2 max testing. We did all, you know, kind of like what the what training was in 2004 when I went to college and you actually worked for the, or worked for the university. So we worked at all their rec centers. We trained athletes to business people, to professors, to students. Um, But yeah, it was a very cool program that UVA had that was, um, that really gave you an education in training. So that was bachelor's level, right? Bachelor's bachelor's level. level. Yeah. And And what was the, what was the degree then? Exercise a, science? A, Can you no, it was not an exercise science degree. It was a you came out of there as a with a, a license a licensed uh training degree from the university as well as we did outside certifications for uh I don't remember what the first certification was, if it was a personal training certification or if it was a something to do with uh it wasn't a CSCS. But it was there was a personal training plus some other certification that I don't even okay. remember at that point. So, so degree, um, great experience at UVA. They they gave you the opportunity to not just spectate as a student, but it, but actually get in the field, participate as a coach and trainer with students and athletes. So solid yeah, foundation I, right there. Yeah, it was really solid. I would think more of it like a trade school of what they allowed you to do. Cause you were, we were working all the time, right? We were, you, you took your education and you were being educated and then you would go and you would deliver that education as an employee for the university and sign up for sessions with people and do, you know, special projects. And it was, it was a lot of stuff. It was fun. So um, then I'll skip some things. So to keep it concise, uh, went to New York, uh, started as a, uh, as a trainer and sports performance coach at an organization called the New York Athletic Club. It is a, an Olympic training facility. I worked with a lot of different uh, regular populations, but also very heavy working with athletes. So USA boxing, uh, fencing, uh, wrestling, judo, and then also very heavy in basketball and started to work with people that were in EuroLeague and NBA and there's a, another hospital for special surgery that had an installment within the, that organization. So we would work with physical therapists to be able to bring people back from injury and then use strength training and mobility as a, as a, as a way of integrating those two things. So I was like kind of a return to sports specialist is what it ended up evolving into. Uh, that was for about 14 years in New York. So that, so that program, so the New York athletic club, am I saying it right? Okay. And, yeah. and did, did they have established relationships when you're saying fencing and boxing, 
was that with like a U.S. national team or a, a feeder program for what would be recognized as like a, a, a world competition or Olympic competition or caliber athletes and teams? So was, was it a feeder for the Olympic programs then? Yeah, that's what I would say it is, is it was like, it was one of the, I would say one of the, the regional clubs that has Olympic level athletes competing and then okay. or professional level athletes competing, many of which would then go on to compete in at, at those during those trials and at that sport, you know, so, you know, depending on the sport. Um, so yeah, I, we had our hands in and multiple different kinds of sports, you know, uh, the, the ones that I mentioned, it was like, it was a very, it was a huge variety of, of body mechanics that has enabled me to, uh, understand a lot about like, you know, on, on the mechanical aspect of things, like how do you, how do you treat bodies that are chronically injured? Cause these guys are always like, you know, you get guys and they're like, oh, I've had 17 surgeries and he's like 35, you know? So, you know, what do you do about that's actually a that's actually a client, right? It's like 17 surgeries, 35 years old. Can you get him back so that he can play in the NBA? I don't know, right? It's like and so we would we would go on those journeys a lot of times that was um very involved, very sensitive to the athlete, uh, you know, and it really gives you a lot of expertise and, you know, understanding how the body works and how you can use mobility and strength training as a, as, and, and power and all, sort of the full spectrum of the force velocity curve to be able to, you know, help a human perform um, and improve performance, hopefully. So, yeah, there was a lot, lot of years in the, in the trenches doing that. So and that's, and that was in that. That's always like if I go and speak at colleges and universities to students in in programs similar to what you did at UVA or exercise science, kines, or maybe their pre-physical therapy or phys ed with emphasis on personal training and coaching, whatever. The the question always always comes up or the statement, well, I, you know, the students always say, Well, I want to work with professional athletes. So the take-home point, if you're sitting out there and normally if I draw a pie graph of that. 99, 95% of your clients will not be pro athletes in the majority of facilities. I mean, just in, in our brick and mortar, we trained over a thousand athletes of which a hundred were collegiate and we had about 20 pro athletes that yeah. that's it. So it's small, but it like in Andrew's case, if you identify facilities that are already doing those things and are participating in that return, return to sport, clearly there's an opportunity where you can probably flip that pie graph where more of your clients are going to be athletes and not just going to be a quote unquote gym member. Yeah. I don't know what the exact distribution is. I don't have any data points on that, but it was, you know, and it would vary from time to time, but it was definitely, it was definitely 50, 50, if not skewed more toward athletes than, you know, regular folks. So for better or for worse, they're harder. Like they're a lot they're demanding, aren't they? Oh, God. And they just like, you know, they need you on the, you're on their payroll and you need, you know, like you need to be there. You're, you're very much an employee. You're, you know, like it's serious, right? It's like, and if you screw up, you know, you, that $20 million leg is on you. Right. And they're broken. They're broke. And like that, that middle-aged guy is not only is he middle-aged, but he's broken time 17 and they're looking yeah. at you like Andrew fix him. Fix them. Let's go. Fix them. You're like, huh? Okay, we do our best here. So, um, and it can be done in, in a lot of circumstances. We have a really uh, some really great success stories, um, you know, coming out of that. So, I we had a, I'll share one success story. We have a player that's in the NBA. He's a, a friend and a and a former client named Joe Harris, who was came after came to us post surgery and was you know making considering doing a couple of different things with his career at that time. He had just, uh, it was, had been on the Cleveland Cavaliers and was in a, a moment to pivot. And so um, we, we got him from his, from where he was to a much better place physically uh, over the course of, I think it was like six months, you know, and, and he had, a, I mean, he was really thinking about pivoting his career and then had a shooting, uh, had an audition or a tryout for the net um, at that point in time. Uh, which we were also involved in and, and helping coordinate. And he uh, broke the shooting record in that, uh, in that tryout and has been with them ever since. So that was, and that was years ago. That's awesome. That's yeah, that was real world stuff right there. 
Yeah, it was cool. It was really cool. I still think about like that, that spring that we were like really, you know, working every day and like, you know, and it was fun. It's like, you, you also, one of the, I can't, I would say just, I got lucky because it was the right order of events for me to be working in sports deep in my very early career when I was like, you know, when I was in my twenties, I was athletic enough to do it. I had the energy that was there. It wasn't, you know, it's like, it's a lot of work. You're always on your feet. You're doing, you know, you're, you're working out and you're working out with them. And then they, oh, you, they need you to step in because they got to have a, you know, another person to play on the court. I never, I didn't, I didn't play basketball. I like learned basketball at that, you know, because it was like, there was always, you always needed another body or you had to catch, you know, you had to catch and rebound. And like, you know, it was, it was, it was dynamic, you know, it was young, you know, you're, you're young and you're, you're, you can do all that stuff. So um, I think that's good to like for trainers, I guess, young coaches and trainers that want to do this, that's a good place to start. And then you can translate all of that skill set over to doing what you do if as, as treating the masses, because there's a lot more masses that need your services than there are pro athletes, a lot more. So, you know, by a, by an order of magnitude. Um, so yeah, uh, that was that. And then uh, Axel was born out of that. So we had an, a concept because I was always struggling with this issue of like, okay, I would go for like, I would have a, let's just say, for example, I would have a basketball player and then they would be like, Hey, can you train my girlfriend? You know? And then we would, have, so I would like take a barbell off of one, off of this huge person's back and then have to try and be able to work it out both at the same time. But then that barbell didn't work. So I was, you know, trying to figure out what to do. And it was like, but if there was a lighter bar, right, that was easy for everybody to use and also was portable, I could take it on the court. I could do, you know, take it with me if I need to. I could do all these different things with it. What if that, what if something like that existed? And so that was the, that was the concept and the origination behind Axel, um, which was, which we now use in a variety of, of different ways and, and studio concepts and things. So, um, so I yeah, think a big, can... a big take home point there is, you know, Axel, Axel or the idea of the Axel workout by Andrew didn't happen first. And I see a lot of people in, in industry and it's almost regardless of industry. They want to skip the staircase, right? The top of the staircase is the Axel workout. You founded a piece of equipment in a system and you've built a, a, a business and kind of graduated to that. But you took all these steps for 14 years that gave you the background and experience to identify an opportunity in a need that nobody was paying attention to, i.e. not everybody can get under a full-size Olympic barbell on day one. And, you know, you said something there, and I know this is part of the Axel workout, but the idea that you have portable equipment, so you're like, you're not bringing a squat rack, you're not bringing an Olympic lifting platform onto the basketball court. But it, with your axle, you can, that's portable. You can bring that. You can accommodate somebody of a different size beginner or that return to sport. Maybe somebody that's not fully released for training. So they, maybe they shouldn't be under a loaded Olympic barbell. That's 45 pounds or whatever the kilo, 22 kilos or whatever. And now you've got an option. So that's that 14 years of experience gave you the opportunity to identify, Hey, there's a, there's an opportunity here. There's a need nobody's recognized and, and I can design something. I've got an idea to fill it. So that, yeah, that was the Axel, right? It was. And it was for a lot of reasons too. It's like we, with Axel being a, a smaller, lighter bar. So more of the, the wheelbase isn't as wide as what you would have on a regular Oli bar. Um, we, we do, my, my work was almost always unilateral training, but because they, these guys are hurt. So they're like, not, the muscles are are way out of whack, and so it was like, by the bilateral work that was that you might think about, like doing, you know, yes, it has an application in a place, but we so often found ourselves having to do so much more unilateral work, and unilateral work with a barbell that has the weight really far away from your midline, it's hard to do. So we had this thing that was more, con, you know, more. Uh, a lot tighter, a lot more compact, closer to the midline. You can be able to do these different exercises. You can effectively manage a single leg RDL and rear foot elevated split squats, which are probably my number one and number two exercises that I that I tell everybody to do more of. You know, I'll like I'll tip the hat to guys like Mike Boyle who talk about this a lot and say like, hey, 
unilateral training. You can, you know, the, the concept of bilateral deficit and all of those things that like they, they harp on over and over again are really actually very, very factually true. Um, and especially in applications for, for performance athletes, because it's like, you just, you're, uh, I never took guys that were like 17 surgery guys and middle-aged athletes and put 225 pounds on their back and had them squat. We just didn't do that. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't safe. They were throwing out their backs if we did do something like that. So it was always like, you know, how, how much can we do on one side of the body at a time? to be able to re-architect everything that was there. And so that was the big, that was the big, like kind of a big aha moment in my own personal training. Like my, my training journey was always the emphasis on unilateral and like understanding. And now it's sort of like getting into, into the medical side. We can talk about that too. It's like the whole, <clears throat> whole other aspect to strength training as it relates to health. But, you know, you know, we can, I don't know if we're even going to be able to get there because it's but even- kind of far away. But even what you said, and, and I think pop culture, the media, no industry pays attention to the fact, and you just said it again, journey. There, there's a process to go from A to B, and in the middle of A to B is where you learn these things. You know, when you look at an, an Olympic barbell and where that weight is, and you bring that weight in using your axle, you just change the center of mass. And anybody that's like, if you've ever walked – I would say for most adults north of 405 out of the squat rack, if you start twisting, you've got all that weight very far from the midline of your body and it's force times distance. And it creates a moment based upon that. And you're able to shrink that with the axle. And then in addition to that, for new coaches and trainers, exactly what Andrew said, not everybody needs to get under two and a quarter. Like sometimes the benefit is training one side of the body and making the priority, get the athlete healthy first. And then maybe we can look at progressive overload via more weight. Yeah. You know, I have my, my since COVID, I haven't stepped into a, a commercial training facility to work out uh, period. And I haven't lifted more than 90 pounds simultaneously at, at any point in time. And my muscle mass has gone up. So it's like, there's there's that to think about it's just like you don't you know, if that is indeed the case you know the argument can be made to and obviously we're talking about hypertrophy and volume training and like you know there's there's different applications for different weights but like broadly you you can do a lot with a little so correct and and you know as long um, as is as long as the intensity is significant and the time under tension is significant hypertrophy will happen Without question. And, and the other thing for Gen Pop, I, I like the idea of exactly what you said. There's tremendous functional benefit to training one side of the body at a time for average, everyday people. Uh, you know, pick something, carrying. I always use the example when we had our club. What happens when you go to the grocery store? All of the bags go on one hand, your key fob goes on the other, and you're not taking a second trip back to the car. Right. Well, now we're loaded on one side and underloaded on the other. Well, how do we train do we whole, for that? We have a whole day that we build where the, we take the wheels of the axle and the weight on the axle and load it on one side. And then you do offset training that way. So it's lightweight offset training that's targeted specifically for trunk stabilization. And we do offset back squats, offset single leg RDLs, changing the weight in both hands, like all like weird stuff like that, that makes it near like your foot is freaking out, right? If you're on one leg and you have a weight that's way loaded off one side and it's not that heavy, right? It works better because the bar is lighter. And so you're just like, you're, you're imbalanced. You're trying to figure it out, but it's like, it's, that's so much what, what sport is, right? And what life is, is like, you're not, you're never on balance. You're always doing like, you know, the, the convoluted movements that with, with weight that shouldn't, you know, the, the forces and shear where it, where it shouldn't be right. Or where it wouldn't ordinarily be if you were just standing upright. And then the awesome thing is you've proven this out at the high level with elite athletes that are at the top of their sport for say Olympic trials or the professional level, let's say the NBA, and there's been clear benefit for those individuals. And there's also tremendous benefit for that gen pop 
And, and again, that's, that's where your axle comes in and it allows you to do some of that. So let's tell us about the axle. So compare and contrast, what are the, give me the, the stake and the civil sizzle, if you will, of yeah, the so features and benefits of the axle versus conventional barbell. Yeah. The, so instead of a seven foot long, 45 pound bar that is, that would, that would sit still on the floor. If you had it there, we have a five foot long, 11 pound bar that has two bumper plate sized wheels on either side of it. You can load it to 170 pounds worth of Olympic plates. So it accepts any universal Olympic plate. So a two inch um, diameter Olympic plate will fit millimeter. the axle. Yep. Yep. Any of okay. Them. Um, it actually is nice because you can slide. It's just, it's just tall enough that a bumper plate will slide on the outside of it without you having to jimmy rig the bar. And then the tire that's on the outside of it will, will, the weight will, will flatten that so that the bumper plate sits directly on the floor. So it's like a load, it's an easier load and unload. System so what, so what that, that means for plates. people that like, if you've ever tried to load multiple bumper plates on an Olympic bar, that's on the floor, you got to do the one handed deal where you pick up the bar and then you start to get the plate going and you, you hold the bar up and slide the plate and then drop it. Your setup will allow you to slide that full diameter, say traditional 45 pound outside diameter Olympic plate or bumper. It could be a 10 pound full diameter Olympic bumper plate. You can slide it on there and it's not dragging on the floor. We tested this. The amount of time it took the average person to load plates on our, like a load of bumper plate in our bar versus a regular bar was, you know, it was like 10 times the amount of time it required for a regular barbell that was on the floor. Right. And that makes sense, right? You have to pick it up. You have to get it on. It's hard. It's like there's friction points that are there. And then you got to go and walk into the other side and then get everything set up and then recalibrate and make sure it's all good. It's just like, it, it's so if like for a group fitness experience, right? It's, one tenth of the time if you're making a fast transition between someone who wants more weight on there. So you have, let's just say someone more experienced and someone less experienced, the less experienced person that's having less weight, then that transition time to someone that needs more weight that's coming into the station is dramatically reduced by, by tenfold. So that's, you know, it's uh if you think about like, you know, popular classes for circuit and hit training, it's like, we're really taking a big time out of that. So Which compromises um, the quality of the workout compromises the experience of the workout especially for your more your more experienced advanced class or group training participants but the other thing that i see that it helps with is the newbies where you know if you're the you're the person that is brand new you're middle-aged you're overweight you're out of shape you're already struggling you already are convinced you're a fish out of water and everybody's watching you and now you got to struggle and fight to get the plate mm. jimmied onto the bar. Um, some of those folks don't come back for another workout. Yeah, it's, uh, it's exactly right. They don't come back for another workout. It's not, it's, it's frustrating for them. So we're trying to, to reduce that. So back to the bar, just a few more things. It's also designed to roll. So the, the wheel is, is in a, there's a column on the loading sleeve that's on the outside where the wheel sits in a particular groove and the bar, the loading sleeve that actually tapers down. So it tapers out at the bottom. So the bar gets wider. So when you slide the wheel completely on it, it sits in a fixed position. So there's less play in the wheel. So then when you're doing a, a core training exercise with it, you know, when you do it on a barbell, it can be with like bumper plates on it. It can be a little wobbly and there's a lot of play and shake to it. But this is a lot more seamless core training experience. It's what people really love about it so much is like you can get this incredible trunk training exercise involved and then also come right back up into a vertical lift. And it was like designed to do that. So um, you can also connect your feet to it so that we have a, a foot anchored uh, system where you attach your foot to it and you're able to do prone and supine exercises that way it loads strength bands because it's not so wide so you can do you know acceleration deadlifts on top of it there's a lot of things that are like you know that that it has a, a i think a superior application and it's collapsible so it's like you can throw it in a bag like literally the bar breaks down the wheels slide off the outsides of it um i guess the last differentiate point of differentiation that we already covered is like where the weight distribution is it's closer to the midline it's easier to do things like hip thrusts or single leg hip thrusts the bar is also wider than that. So it's a 34 millimeter 
um, grip as opposed to a 28 or a 29 for an Olympic bar or a power bar. Um, and that's because if you plank on those bars, it, your wrist can collapse because it's too narrow. So we have a, a more neutral and stable wrist. So it's a lot more comfortable to do these, these core training specific exercises. So <clears throat> I, haven't, I haven't touched a regular barbell since COVID and I don't really miss it at all, to be honest with you. So, yeah, there's a, I think there's a time and a place. Like I, I sold my commercial gym in 19 and I have trained in a commercial hybrid training gym one time because the client wanted me to come train with them at his club at his place but that that's it i have everything i need at home and and you don't if you know what you're doing and you have something that provides versatility which the axle does you you don't have to go to the commercial gym it's in and that's in you just said the biggest the biggest issue is like you know what you're doing and it's like you know, that's the hardest part. Like you just said it to me. And I didn't even say, I didn't really thought about this, but like I've been working out for 27 years every week, literally every week, minus two weeks. That's like, it, that is there's so many hours of workouts. That's probably like, what is that? Is that, how many hours is that? 27 years. So we're at 52 weeks in a year and I would do probably 10 hours a week of workouts, if not more than that. Oh, this is going to be a huge number that I don't even want to know. 14,000 hours of just yeah, me training so myself. So <laughs> you've passed and that that's without you instructing others. That's without you teaching yeah. any of your, your business partners that have implemented the Axel workout that has surpassed Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 to be good. Yeah. And you definitely have moved into expert space. And that's, you know, we have to remind our coaches and our trainers often like, our customers come to us because we know more than them. So be mindful right. of meeting the customer or the client where they are, not where we are. Like they, they haven't been lifting weights for 27 years. So they, yeah. they need you to meet them where they are. They're sometimes brand new. And I still learn like all sorts of new moves all the time. Like the offset stuff is stuff that I've just started to get into. It's just like, you know, that doesn't mean that I don't like know it all. So, you know, Case in point, I got a, I got a, my, I have never been ice skating. I went ice skating the other day with my wife, who is like from New York, and she was like breezed it. She's been ice skating, she's been ice skating all her life. And then I got on a pair of skates, and I was like, ah, you know, I totally didn't know what I was doing, and and it was like, it was a disaster. And I was like, how am I so bad at this? Like, you know, after somebody who has like done all sorts of different kinds of sports, and it just tells you that it's like. It is not your, you, your, your CNS is not primed to do everything and that it just cannot. And that's what I love about training also. And like the concept of mixed periodization being that you're, you can never train better than throwing all sorts of different stimulus into your, you know, into a training program, right? It's like, you know, the, the more mixed it is, the better. So it's like, and that's another thing that I always say to all of my clients is they're like, I'm thinking about taking a boxing class with another trainer. Are you okay with that? And I'm like, yeah, do it. You know, like nothing is not going to be anything better for you than than to do that. If you're going to get, if you're going to get step on an Olympic lifting platform and compete in Olympic lifting event, or you're going to do the the big three squat bench deadlift in a powerlifting meet. Uh, you need to train like an Olympic lifter or a power lifter. If you're going to step on a physique contest stage where you need maximum muscle mass and minimal body fat, well, you need to train accordingly. But for everybody else, and in the older I get, I'm approaching 50 now, the older I get, the more I see the value in training to have a better quality of life. Like I went out and rode a motocross bike on an indoor motocross track last night. Um, I've never ridden indoors. I've ridden before what in whatever I've never raced my kid races, but because I do a variety of training and I don't just do the meathead bodybuilding stuff, I could get on my, get on my dirt bike and I could ride. Now I wasn't pretty, I wasn't fast, but I was able to go out there and do it. And like, I'm moving today, you know, I, I know I did right. something that a little bit foreign, but I can get out of my chair. I can wash my hair. I can pick something up off the floor. I'm not wrecked. Right. Right. That so would be, us, that's, yeah, go ahead. 
walk us through the the axles. So I, I'm curious. The uh, mags are those ACS Z mags, like the old AC, ACS Z rims that were it's, on BMX it's modeled, bicycles. It's modeled after that, but it's not because those are five different company. This is a four spoke. So yeah, I recognize a, that. I recognize one less spoke, but is it the same company making them? No, 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 no. This is all. This is all custom. Specific to you guys. Uh huh. Uh huh. Right yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. We have we have our own. No, it's not a. It's not repurpose. It, when it's you, we'll get you an axle and you'll see the 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 way that it goes on. It's not. It it is a. It, since the the loading sleeve is an Olympic plate loading sleeve. We sit, we had to come up with a custom design to be able to come out. This is like, you know, generation eight of axle, right? It's like, it's, it, okay. had to go, it had to go through so many different iterations in the design process. And, you know, it was, it, it certainly was a journey to be able to get there, but I would say it is inspired as many great products are, it is inspired by other products that are similar to it. Right. Got it. Um, so, but no, that is not, it is an injection molded, uh, uh, wheel that we have had our, our custom molds built. So let's get into the design stuff. So again, to reiterate, 14 years in the field, that gave you a, one heck of a tuition in understanding, working with people and seeing opportunities for innovation. Hence, you founded the Axle Workout. So now you've got this idea and you have no formal design background like by degree i'm a mechanical engineer i've designed yeah. stuff like I, i've drawn in 2d and 3d and made parts and design machines whatever in my past life i've done that you haven't done any of this right right we haven't done any of this and so what what we did is <laughs> we just we we went to a machine shop and made made it right we, we took parts we prototyped we got together with our a manufacturer that manufactures overseas for us who is it was incredible. Um, and we were like, Hey man, this is like a, we did a workout with the prototypes and he loved it. And he was like, all right, let's do this. Let's make this thing. And so we went down this really long journey, um, of, of manufacturing, which we now have learned, you know, like the supply chain and how that works, um, inventory and warehousing and, you know, SLAs and all things. Probably a little bit like. about the cost of molds, the mold usage yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. when it, when For do we sure. need to make a new mold and uh, material, material properties of what's in the actual wheels, bar material, and then is that chrome? Is the bar chrome plated? It is. Yeah, it's plated aluminum. So um, the it has a really nice feel to it. It's like a soft feel for like you know somebody that's newer to lifting. It's like uh, it's just easy on your hands not that nearly as deep of a knurling pattern as uh, what's on a regular barbell and certainly not on a power bar. So, so is it, um, so it's probably anodized then. Is it an anodized finish or is it actual yeah. plated? So it's anodized. Okay. And you guys offer different colors? Nope. We don't offer different colors because that's really expensive. So right. we would do okay. it as a custom project for somebody, but it's, you know, that's the other thing that consumers don't think about is like, what does it cost to, to get something like this up and running to actually make it and produce it and sell it to you? It's a fortune, you know, and everybody wants it, you know, as, as low price as possible, which is, is fine. That's great. But it's, you know, at the end of the day, this is why like we like we like working with gyms as opposed to and not that I don't love consumers and people love our product. And they, they, a lot of people got it during COVID and they, they have a good time with it. And we have our channel. But our my emphasis is working with gyms that can generate revenue off of this. And so it's like we have our axle program plus a nutrition program that is designed for improvement with body composition. And we have helped gyms bring that very fine product, that very fine product to the end user into their facility where they don't probably don't have barbells. We, we work with like boutiques and yoga studios and Pilates and and rec centers and you know not traditional like not crossfit boxes because they already have this by all these barbell based programs we work with everybody else that don't have that at their fingertips um and so and we have that program where they can sign up people love the pro and the end user loves the program the gym is able to then offer value and something that's new and therefore we can help the gyms generate profit off of that and so like it's just a completely different thought process than what we do on the consumer side of things. And so that has helped, that has had to have us restructure the way that we think about marketing, which is where my brain is always in now. 
So in that, so for gyms, the the opportunity, and this is this is always true of every business. The the better you can build an efficient system, the more profitable your business is going to be. And it, systems are you can duplicate them. You can teach another employee to run the system. We look at offering training like in, in my club we went from doing the traditional one-on-one back in well starting like 2001 to switching over to group training and systemizing it prior to the group training i had to do most everything and then hire really really skilled competent coaches and trainers where once we went to the group model we had a system i built out an entire system with over a year worth of training programs and then as long as somebody had a basic understanding certificate and training or coaching and bachelor's or master's level education, we can bring them in, teach them our system and they could run it and the gym would make money. And it sounds like with the Axel workout, you're able to give that commercial institution, give that club or that, that hybrid training studio or boutique. Okay. Here's the hardware, but you're backing it up with the systems that they can plug into their business and provide a repeatable quality experience to their customers. Yes, that's correct. We have all the software in place. So we have a virtual education. We have a virtual training studio for coaches. We have all the the email content and teach them. We actually do an onboarding to teach them how to run the nutrition challenge, the nutrition component to this. So it's like all the hardware training plus these other things that they need. And then we do a we allow the club to rotate their coaches through this education seat so that we do, you know, if your coaches churn, then you get, you can have somebody else in that seat that learns the system, like you're saying. So um, it's a, it's been really cool to watch it happen, man. Cause it's like, we have, we have these clubs that are like, we like club in Dayton, Ohio that launched their program this week. And they, they got 10 people to sign up at 300 bucks a pop for a six week training program. And it's like, to me, I'm very proud of that. Like, I'm proud of that. That's really cool for a gym. Well, in it, yeah, in for, it for facilities, it's a game changer. And, and this is a lot of what we teach our clients is you, you need to have a system. And, and it, I always use the example of McDonald's Happy Meal. A lot of McDonald's employees, it's their first job. They're mid-teens. And they can make an, a Happy Meal and execute perfectly anywhere in the continental United States. If you go overseas, like I've been to China and I've been to McDonald's in China, it's McDonald's, but they got different stuff in the Happy Meal. In the United States, you get a burger, a fry, a drink, and a toy in a cute little box. If you ask for apple slices, you still get the fries. You can sub a cheeseburger for a hamburger and McNuggets, and that's it. It's always the same. And, and even if you say, just give me apple slices, not fries, you're still getting the fries because they don't change the system. And the reason is, that 14, 15, 16 year old can do it perfect every time. And for those clubs or boutiques or studios out there, like I can tell you that what Andrew is doing and what he's teaching his clients, uh, cause I did this in my own, like we five or six X our service revenue. So we're talking 35, 45,000 a month in service revenue because we built a system. I didn't have an Andrew where I can, I could go and say, give me the equipment. And then give me the system so that I can onboard staff and we can do this over and over again. We have a guy, Andrew, right here that if you're out there and you're trying to figure out how to make your your club, your facility profitable, this is it. A system, education, consistent experience for the customer. And, and he's got it. Yeah, we don't typically, we, we won't onboard a club if we don't have that in place. If we don't have a revenue model in place for them, when they go, when they think about making this investment, we won't do it. So it's like, cause it's, cause then we work with them on marketing. We promote, we drive traffic to the facility. We're like, we're doing all this stuff and making the, you know, trying to create a partnership with a gym. And if they are not profitable off of it, it never works. <laughs> so it's like, no, and, and you don't need the black eye. You've got a program that delivers you know it works because it's validated in other facilities and other markets. And if, and you nailed it with partnership, they got to do their work and you'll, you'll do the work on your end. And if either party doesn't want to do the work, then there's no partnership and it's best yeah. to move on. So yeah. that, so, so you're, you're basically giving them a system they can plug into their facility. 
you're teaching them a, a business model, a revenue model that will generate income. It'll bring capital in. And then you're teaching them the other pieces that sales, marketing, advertising, all of that yeah. stuff. Yeah. So that's part of what we've learned throughout the last seven years. More recently, it's like how to create an email campaign to nurture your existing client lists, how to uh, how to run top level prospecting, you know, using social media platforms and evaluate a conversion rate. Uh, how to uh, do more local marketing strategies and tactics to be able to grow your email list that you can reach out to. Um, there's just a lot of things on the marketing side. Again, that's like where I say my head is at because I have gyms now that, that my gyms are my clients, right? So it's like, I need you guys to make money. Otherwise, we're not, you're not going to pay me. And so like, how are we going to do this? And like, you know, it's like, let's get you your profit center with Axel built out first. And let's look at these other things. Are you willing to let me get into the numbers with you guys? I actually genuinely care about like you making more money, right? And like making sure that your gym is there because then you get more people that are, you know, experiencing what we're doing on the Axel side of things. And then your programming, it's uh, it's stuff that makes a lot of sense. And a lot of these gyms need a lot of help with it, right? It's like they want, the, you know, everybody has the passion project and the idea to start a gym, but it's like, it's not that easy to make a lot of money off of it. No. And, and when I look at all of the people in the, the fitness space that I've chatted with, the overwhelming majority have a background in fitness at some level. Uh, maybe they were an athlete in high school, high school and college. Maybe they got a bachelor's in a related field, certified, maybe a master's. What they don't have is business experience. And their right. the barrier to entry to fitness is non-existent. I mean, I could make flyers and get a group of people to meet me at a local park and start running them through calisthenic-based workouts. But that's one thing. And most people can do that part, but they can't do the sales marketing advertising they they don't understand like if you say funnel they're thinking a funnel in the kitchen or a funnel in the garage to put oil in the car they're not thinking that it's this tool to bring leads and prospects in and they drop through this thing and in a percentage of them become a paying customer yeah that's i mean that's hard to to have I think you can teach people to conceptualize that and understand it, but getting into the actual like execution of it is so hard and, you know, having them actually be successful at it. It's like, it's a, it's a client, right? My gyms are my clients. I need to like talk to them about like, it's like somebody coming to you and be like, Hey, I want to like, I want to get fitter and I want to build muscle and I want to lose weight. You know, it's like my clients are like, Hey, I'm a gym. I'm losing money right now and I need to figure out how to not lose money and grow my member base and still offer good programs and make sure that my family is, is good so that I don't like, this doesn't implode on me, you know? And it's like, it's in both cases, the stakes are high. So it's like the, but for me, I'm, I'm learning as we go through this more, um, more and more. It's like, it's super high. I feel it a lot with when we decide to partner with the facility because now I, my brand is is associated with theirs, and so I got to make sure that like this is going to be a good thing it's, before we actually sign off on it. That's what I always use when I work with clients. I always call it walking billboards. Your clients are going to be a walking billboard and an extension for your brand, and you want that billboard to be sharing positive, good vibes about. The axle yep. workout, not this was the worst thing. We were already struggling underwater. <laughs> this was the worst thing we ever did. We spent our last capital on this and we're, we're closed. So, and it sounds like, you know, again, for the, the business owners out there that are in the fitness space, if you don't have some of these systems to run a profitable business, serving more clients, you need to talk to somebody like Andrew, that's going to give you the pieces. And sure, you can go and learn email marketing. Sure, you can learn how to write a script for when you do cold outreach on the telephone or DM on social media. You can definitely do that. But how long is it going to take you? And, and then how much time is it going to take you to, to go and apply that over and over again? It's, it's, always, it's easier to just go get the wheel and get rolling, man. 
Yeah, yeah. And it's also the I would say to the gyms out there, like really think about like who it is that you're talking to when you when you decide to sign up with an agency to help you with stuff because they can like you gotta be really careful and they can drain you. And they typically charge four times as much as they need to to do it. That's the other problem that I don't like. So like we do, like when we do growth, we have a new, it's an interesting thing. We have a new growth piece of if we're helping you grow, we, we are, we do a commission structure. So we have a base, but then we have a commission structure. The base is really low for us, right? It's like, I don't want to drain you. I want to help you as much as I can. Let's see if we can make it happen. Then if we, if we help you grow, we take a piece, right? We get a commission for that. So it's like if we're adding clients consistently to your to your gym and we're helping you with that and we're and everybody's happy and everybody's growing, that's how we get comped. And so like that's the way that we the that the gym has this little I want them to have some skin in the game, but I they can't have so much skin in the game that they're gonna lose on the front end of this. Does that make sense? Yeah. And for people that don't know, a lot of times there's folks that will come in and say, Hey, I'll say, I'll save your business. And you pay them a significant amount of amount of money up front, whether or not they can or cannot help you help your business. In your case, if your client, if the gym makes more money, you make a little bit more money. So it's not just an expense to the facility. There's, there's a revenue share. So you need to, Andrew needs to deliver to the gym and help them make more money. If they make more money, Andrew gets paid a little bit more money. It's a, it's a better way to do it. You know, there was a, there was a guy I won't name cause he's still out there. He'd approached me and he approached some other local facilities, ended up working with one and put a local facility into all of his video ads on social media. Like supposedly this guy is killing it. Nine months later, that guy's landlord called me and said, Hey, he hasn't paid me rent in six months. He's not returning phone mm. calls, emails, or anything else. Meet me up at the facility. If you like it, it's yours. I said, how much? He goes, you can have everything in it. I know you'll pay me the rent. I know you're a good operator. As long as you pay the rent, you can have all of the, you can have everything in there. I don't want it. Yet this was the guy that this gym expert yeah. had in his ads. The dude was dying on the vine. And I know that he paid a handsome from uh, sum of money up front. And yeah, the guy didn't deliver And the, and the guy didn't deliver. And, and I believe this, the guy didn't deliver because unlike someone like Andrew, you know, you're sitting there, you did this for 14 years. Like you've already, yeah. like you, you've worked in that's a facility. True. Well, that's why I think that's why we have, we actually have clients that we work with. Cause they're like, they're like, okay, this person like, put all of their like everything on the line to do this and like they're probably telling me the truth right and I'm and I am telling the truth as best as I can it's like you know maybe there are things that I don't know but it's like but at the same time I won't like I we won't you know do do a partner wrong by charging them too much up front because and pay and being like oh you got to pay me 15 grand up front to get all this set up for you, which is what we hear lots of times, you know, like crazy numbers like that where, and, and it's not fair to a gym that doesn't know these other elements that are challenging about it. It's like, you can't, it's just that you're going to, you're going to drain somebody at that point And then they end up in a situation like what this guy has ended up in. Yeah. So, you know, and a lot of times really, they scary. And a lot of times that person charged, and I don't have a problem with the high ticket, if you're going to over deliver to the customer that, you know, it's in your, again, in your case, you spent over a decade on the gym floor working with clients. You learned a lot, you know, you know why the axle makes sense. You know why the group training piece makes sense. You know why it makes sense for the client that gets all these wonderful functional benefits. And you know, it's win-win because the facility is going to make more money because you've done all of this. You're not some guy that started a online coaching business online and you're going to go clip someone for 10 grand. Yeah. Yeah. It's been uh it's been an interesting journey in that regard. So, and we're working on more services to help gyms in the marketing space be able to acquire users at you know, at a at a very low cost competitive way and so it actually doesn't even really it's again that's that same structure that's like a commission structure not a 
um, not a you have to pay into the system. It's only like if you actually get members out of it that we would, you know, anybody would receive a commission, but it would be done at mass and at scale. So, um, you know, uh, again, win win because yeah, they're yeah, not, yeah. you know, if they're already struggling, you're not taking all of their capital. Um, but at the same time, as long as you're doing what you said you could do for them, you get paid. And that's, I mean, everybody wins. Everybody walks away from the, the table at that deal happy. Yeah. So it's not easy to do those things. Like if you're, you know, uh, if you're other marketing agencies out there, you guys know it's way easier to go like higher ticket and higher. And it's just like that. But I'm not in the business of having like so many clients churn away. Like that's not. I don't know. I would rather have a longer term relationship with somebody. So, um, especially if they have our program that I worked so hard to be able to develop, Yeah. Like, you know, I don't want them to, I don't want you to go out of business, you know, or like, or walk away from me. It matters to me. And that's so very early on in, in my sales engineering career, I had my sales director told me that he said, like, remember, like, do not, do not bankrupt the supply chain. Like if yeah. we need to work on pricing on our side and that includes our suppliers, that's fine. But you always need to, like, you need to remember, you want that vendor, you want that supplier to be here in a couple of years. So you can't just keep making it all about us winning. Like everybody's got to win or, or they won't be here. And yeah. then we won't be here. It's, um, it's been a good journey uh, and I'm, I'm hopeful for, you know, I'm very confident in the, in the future of this. And I, I think it's important for, you know, one thing I didn't mention and also this is like for me and my, 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 the folks that are close to me is, is that, you know, the strength training is, is going to be really vital for people's health. As it turns out, we, it's like my wife is a, is a, uh, a doctor that works in obesity management and metabolic disease. And so we are, you know, ongoing, the, it's an ongoing evaluation about like how important this stuff is. So really it's like, if you're just like a regular person out there, you're a gym owner, like whoever it is that listens, you know, it really is that important that you help people, you know, get these products to them and these services to them, whether they, you know, how much they realize it or not, it ends up having a huge impact on their health long-term. So, um, you know, fight the good fight if you're you know if you're feeling the struggle as a gym owner it's like continue to do that because what you're what you're doing is more important than and perhaps what you realize like where could where what's the best place someone can get an axle because i think i might try and pick one up too if you just google axle workout you'll find everything you you guys find yeah and if you're a gym you email me directly right andrew at axleworkout.com and you'll find us if you want to be if you're interested in, in launching a program that's our that's our specialty so um ray thank you so much for the time man it was a great chat with you same here i appreciate it andrew we'll see you man take care If you like our content be sure to subscribe to our channel leave us a comment below also be sure to check us out on your favorite podcast provider